This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of the Raw Reaction Show. Joining you the morning after Arsenal win, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five nil against Nottingham Forest in what was a very much needed massive victory for the Gooners. Very, very happy to be joining you this morning. Very happy to have been there and witnessed it myself as well. Plenty of reaction from the game. Big talking points, big news and more, plus your questions, thoughts, theories and queries in the chat box as well. Good morning to everybody joining us live. Hope you are having a fantastic or rather had a fantastic week and that now you're ready to start the next brilliant week of your lives. Um, good morning uh, to, let's see who we got joining us. Temi, Louis, good morning to Runs With Cows and MRM, good morning to Answer and PJ, good morning to Byron, good morning to King. Three-pointer. It was indeed a three-pointer yesterday. Fantastic to see. Uh, good morning to Red Star. He says, I don't know whether to say good morning because it's morning for most or good evening being in Australia. Wherever you happen to be in the world, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. What a fantastic morning indeed. Uh, what a brilliant day. We're going to kick off, of course, by telling you, as always, to drop a like. If you are indeed not able to do that for whatever reason, then change your mindset and <laughs> click the like button. If you haven't already subscribed to the channel, please make sure you do that as well. We are now less than 100 subscribers away from hitting the big 4-0 down. 4-0,000? That was, I mean, I meant to say that so much smoother than I managed, but uh, 40,000 subs is a crazy amount. So uh, thank you, everybody, for helping us nearly get there. We just need a fair few more of you to help us tip us over that big 4-0. I guess we're going to have to do something I have to do something special for hitting 40,000 at some point. I'll have to get my thinking cap on. Um, but do check out the latest prize uh, until Wednesday. This is available. Odegaard and Smith Rowe, dual signed and framed Arsenal shirts. Link in the description to be in with a chance of winning this competition. Still only 42 people have bought tickets, which is crazy, which means that if you do buy a ticket, you've got a great chance of winning at the moment. So do get involved. Link down below. So Arsenal's big performance, 5-0 winners against Nottingham Forest in the end. Could we ask for a greater response? The whole point of the change that was needed this season was that we were going to make we were going to drop points. We were going to, you know, we were going to lose games. We were going to be annoying in some games. You know, it was going to be frustrating against Southampton. We were fortunate again, I think, against Leeds. And finally, we were humbled against PSV. But last season, when that happened, we would lose and then we would lose again and then we would lose again. And that undermined the entire season. And the difference between last season and this season, despite the fact that we sit top of the table, sorry, I'm just going to say that one more time. Despite the fact we sit top of the table, 
<laughs> what I am absolutely loving. And I love that Matt G in the chat box just told me to look at Tommy's face in the Arsenal picture there. If you aren't looking at Tommy's face, look at Tommy's face. Those on audio platforms, go over to the Arsenal Twitter account where they posted the full-time graphic and just go and look at Tommy Asu's face. It's glorious. Um, but despite the fact we're top of the league, as I've said now for the third time, we are changing the way that we react. We are changing the mentality. We are responding in a different way. And that is all down to the mentality of the squad. That is the way in which Arteta has built this team up with togetherness and with a unity and with a, a feeling of, of second chances that you can make mistakes and we understand that and you can still come back into the team and you can still make goods on those errors. And I think that Arsenal as a team, as a group, as a together unit, have certainly done that. So we needed this performance and we certainly got it. Now, as you guys will know that have listened to the podcast for some time, I think we can all agree that there has not been anyone that has been a bigger supporter of Reese Nelson. I don't think anyone has lifted up Reese Nelson to the pedestal that I feel that like I have done. I feel that no one has showered this man with complete praise, compliments and confidence. I don't think we can debate about that. I think that that is pure fact and that I have never once doubted this man. I am, of course, talking out of my backside because all I've done is be critical of Reese Nelson and think, you know, I don't really see a future for this guy. I don't know really why we're investing uh, any kind of time into Reese Nelson. I'll be very, very honest. I have to give props to the person who tweeted me yesterday. I quoted the tweet. It's on the Guda Talks Twitter timeline, who put a, a print screen of the... In fact, I might be able to find it. It was a print screen of... I'm not sure what show it was exactly. It probably was after the, the Buddha Glimpse game where I was very critical of him. Let me see if I can find it. Yes, it was Buddha Glimpse nil, Arsenal one match reaction. Bad boy is the person who tweeted it. And then over the top of that tweet, they've written Nelson hate, <laughs> which is, you know, fantastic. You got you got to appreciate that kind of level of commitment. But uh, fair play, Reese Nelson. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I was sitting next to Yanog Fyotov in the press box and when, when Nelson scored the second goal. I, I, I kind of just broke into a bit of a laugh at that stage. I was buzzing the fact we scored. And I just turned to you and I, and I just was just laughing because I was just like saying, I've been so critical of this guy. Um, and yeah, it was just so funny. So incredibly funny and, and great. You know, I always say, I always say, and those that listen to the channel know this, that I want to be proved wrong if it's for the benefit of the club. Every single time. If I can be proven wrong and Arsenal are benefiting from it, that's all I care about. You know, I don't care about the pride of having an opinion that's right. I don't care about going back to a tweet from three years ago and, look, I said this. I don't care. I care about Arsenal. I care about Arsenal winning and I care about us doing really, really well. And when Bakaya Saka went down injured, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in a bit, when Reese Nelson came on, my first feeling was, wow, this is a big opportunity. It wasn't It wasn't the feeling of, oh, goodness me, it's Reese Nelson. Genuinely, despite my criticisms, it wasn't that. My initial reaction was, wow, this is a massive opportunity. A massive opportunity for Reese Nelson to have not just a, a long period in, in a strong Arsenal team, but going up against a side where you think that he can absolutely make an impact. You know, if this was a game against Chelsea or Liverpool, there might be a lot more worry in my you know, feeling about the game. But Nottingham Forest, there was a great opportunity there for him to go on and, and score some goals. And he did it. And you have to say that the first goal, the confidence he has to, to fake the shot, obviously then the shot, the left-footed strike that he has, which obviously is on his weaker foot, is saved by Henderson, was a pretty tame effort. But the rebound, he's quick, he's on it, he's alert, and he finishes it brilliantly. The second goal, the touch from Jesus's cross is excellent. You know, and it was ironic because the first half gave me no confidence when he came on. When he came on in the first half, he was playing the safe ball. He was passing it backwards. He was doing the little one-twos. There was a little nice backheeled flick that I thought, oh, okay, right, okay. He's building up himself a bit more now. He's getting into the game. He's building up his confidence. But he was still pretty, I thought, tame in the first half. Second half, he comes out as a completely different player. And yeah, really took it to him. Hopefully, you know, Mikel Arteta is, is, is in some way responsible for kind of a little bit of a word um, in his ear at halftime. And I think that certainly he he did it and he was great. Um, 
you have to say credit to Mikel Arteta, you know, because you've got Fabio Vieira on the bench who's played a right wing as well. He played against PSV, of course, and played him there. You've got Marquinhos on the bench as well. You have to say this season, if you were choosing between two players to give minutes to, you'd probably more so want to focus on Marquinhos. But Arteta said, no, I'm going to pick the guy that has been waiting and waiting patiently for a chance. And he did. And he's been rewarded with that. So, Reese Nelson... Fair play, mate, and brilliant. And I'm so, so, so genuinely happy that that happened. Uh, Martin Erdegaard slammed the haters, though, didn't he? <laughs> what a time to discuss Martin Erdegaard in yesterday's show. We were discussing at length around Martin Erdegaard needing to add more goals to his game. In the first half, I thought he was quietly getting on with his business. He was always involved. He was always an outlet, but I still thought he was pretty quiet during the game as well. But in the second half, where we really came to life and really dominated possession even more so and were more direct, he was critical in the way in which we played. So to get a goal and finish in the way that he did, to show the haters that you can indeed score fantastic goals with a great uh, finish of confidence, that was great to see. So Odegaard slamming the haters, fantastic stuff indeed. Uh, Martinelli, back to his best. I was very critical of Martinelli on, on Thursday night against PSV and in the following show on Monday, on Friday morning. I thought it was his worst performance in an Arsenal shirt on Thursday. Great header, great movement, great uh, tenacity and drive and everything that we've come to expect from Gabriel Martinelli we saw in that game. Could not really fault too much of his performance. I'm not surprised he was taken off early in the second half because he expended so much energy during the game that he had to be kind of rested. And I think, obviously, he's going to be a big part in the game against Chelsea. He has a great time against Chelsea. He loves playing against Chelsea. So, yeah, fingers crossed we see Martinelli at this best that he can be as much as feasibly possible. Thomas Partey repeated his long-range strike that he managed to score against Spurs in the game yesterday. Again, a moment where I think I chuckled a bit when the ball hit the back of the net because it was just like it was a carbon copy, an absolute carbon copy of what we saw uh, in the other game. Uh, and the strike, the way it kind of curls, the way he hits it first time. And Nelson, of course, got the assist for this, recognising needing to find Partey in that space. It is a worked on movement. It is a coached um, move. You can absolutely see the methodology behind it. The reason why you can is because not only we've done it a number of times, but Partey always operates in that space. And it's clearly worked. Arteta said in his press conference after the game that he actually watched his goal against Spurs before the game in the morning. Uh, so how funny uh, that he watched it and then managed to do it again, which was was great. Jacker, of course, who had a bit of a quieter game for him, still thought very strong, very competent and did everything that he needed to do. Gabriel really annoyed me. And you guys know that I am one of Gabriel's biggest backers and I really appreciate all the qualities in Gabriel's game. And what's so annoying about what he did is that once again, he had a really strong defensive performance, solid, competent, composed in every single thing he did, bar one. And that one thing could have changed the game dramatically, dramatically changed the game. Uh, I want to have people slagging him off in the chat box quite frankly um but what this guy has got is that he's just got this moment at the moment he's just got this moment where i i can't even explain it it's really difficult to explain why these moments keep coming up but there's just this mindlessness in one instant you know in each game he just panics he just makes the wrong decision and what for me is critical is that if again we talk about this in the next game and the next game and the next game it begins to become indefensible however the thing is is that what we're in a position to do is that we've got a problem in a player that is very easily coached out of it's very easily improved upon it's not about talent it's not about ability it's just concentration it's just being composed throughout the entire 90. And it is something that you can improve and get better and be more confident with. So despite the fact that it's frustrating, despite the fact that it really annoyed me because it, again, undermined what I thought was a solid performance, 
it is something that I know that he can absolutely get better at. And Sia Bonga, who says, leave Gabriel alone. I'm sorry, that is not the way we approach things. If you want to go and read my article I did on Gabriel, where I highlight all of the massive positives about his play, then go do that to recognize my position on the player. But what we do on the channel is that we don't hide away from the negatives, is we talk objectively about every single part of a player's game. Defensively, he was great throughout the entire match. But this one moment that we talk about is important because it's something that he needs to remove from his game. That If he can remove from his game, then we will see a different level from him and him genuinely have the ability to put himself amongst the best centre-backs in the league. I have no doubt about that. No doubt about that at all. Um, Kieran Tierney continued to start from the bench. Tomiyasu continuing at left-back, which caused quite the stir amongst Arsenal fans and on reaction online. Um, Tomiyasu was directly involved in the first goal. He managed to get the turnover of possession, which then led to the first goal. Really strong defensively again, composed, got back when he needed to. And there was a moment in the second half on the left-hand side where he put a left-footed ball into the box that was brilliant. Like one of the best left-footed crosses in a corner of a pitch that I've seen. And that shows that he can do that. Like It shows he's got that in his, his locker. And despite the fact that I think, obviously, from a balanced perspective, he's always going to be more reserved. He's always going to be more um, of the disciplined fullback compared to the player on the other side. And in Venice, I thought it was one of Ben White's more reserved forward-thinking games. I didn't think he got as far forward as he usually does. By the way, Ben White was astoundingly good defensively. No nonsense. Really solid. Didn't look out of place at all. Couldn't fault his performance defensively at all. And did support the forward players as much as possible with his passing. Didn't really necessarily see the overlaps that we've seen in some of the other games. But Tomiyasu is playing this role because Mikel Arteta just believes him to be a lot more suited to that inverted style of fullback that he wants than Tini is. Tini's a great left-back. Tini is someone that will, in a lot of teams, absolutely flourish. And at the start of his Arsenal career, really shined. The problem is, is that the left-back role is just not in this Arteta team something that Tierney is capable of playing to the level and to the ability and to the, what's the right word? He's just not attuned to what Arteta wants from that position. And he's not starting even when Alexander Zinchenko is out. And that is obviously uh, a really frustrating uh, thing for him. Uh, and I think that when we bring Zinchenko back and when he's finally fit again and we still don't have any information on when that will be, then he will lose that place. Uh, you know, he will lose that place even more. So he might end up being a bit of an asset that Arsenal may look to to um, to, to move on. You know, he, we may look to him as a player that is a sellable asset in the future and that a club might come in and try to buy him. And he may go because he's not getting the same opportunities. If that is the case, I think we need to sign someone because Tommy Asso, I don't think, can be the backup to Zinchenko because Zinchenko is going to be out for an extended period. Tommy Asso's had his injury problems. We need to be in a position whereby um, we have a backup that is more attuned to playing that role. So it's going to be a very interesting moment to see whether or not Tierney stays at the club for the long term. The players made a, a, a tribute to Pablo Marie and backed him, of course, after his horrific uh, incident in which he was stabbed in a supermarket in Italy. He is on the road to recovery. He has posted as well as well, which is fantastic. But this is a nice touch, a really, really nice touch indeed. So fair play to the players for that. Bakaya Saka's injury. Now, Bakaya Saka came off in the first half, uh, probably about 30, 35 minutes or so into the first half. He received a bit of a kick from Renan Lodi, not just Renan Lodi, but he received a kick from a lot of a lot of throughout the game. And Mikel Arteta was asked um, by James Benj from CBS Sports whether or not he felt the referees need to give him more protection. And Arteta was very dismissive and was simply, that's a question for them, honestly. Like, there's a clear, and this is just purely me reading into his reactions and how he's talked about it, Clearly, there is an undertone that he feels that his players, especially Saka, aren't getting enough protection. They're getting kicked constantly. And I just can't, for the life of me, understand why there isn't the protection being given to players that are 
now risk of serious potential injury. From the sounds of it and from the sounds of what Arteta was saying after the game, it seemed precautionary why he was taken off. It was a kick. It was an impact injury. It was something that certainly I don't necessarily think that is going to cost him the World Cup, for instance. But it could cost him Chelsea. He could potentially miss the Chelsea game. We will get more information in his pre-match press conference ahead of Zurich and then potentially more ahead of Chelsea. Although, with it being a European game, uh, we don't tend to get a pre-match press conference separately. Sometimes we do and we might, but we are playing at home. So, potentially, we will get that the next day after the Zurich game on Friday. But there will be a pre-match press conference again for the Zurich game on Wednesday. So, we should hear more information uh, about that uh, then. So, but he said we're going to have to see how he basically reacts in the next couple of days. But he was just constantly getting kicked and he couldn't continue, which is a real shame. Um, Mikel Arteta was very happy after the game, as you can imagine. Uh, and it was my first press conference in which I was able to ask my first question to Mikel Arteta, um, a moment that I will not forget in a hurry. Uh, I know that it's something that I think very easily can be taken for granted, especially if you're in the industry for a long time, especially if you've been doing it for a long time and you're asking questions to Arteta every week. And so for those of my contemporaries that might listen to me say this, might think, wow, he's really going big on this. But for me, and I always bring this back to the fact that two years ago I was teaching and I decided to take the risk, take the jump, quit my job, throw myself into football journalism with the hope of one day getting into a position where I can ask the manager a question. And I've done this, of course, I wasn't, my voice wasn't breaking and I wasn't getting emotional. <clears throat> I've got something stuck in my throat. Um, that really sounded like I was though. <laughs> um, but where the position to be in that place, you know, when you quit your job and you're looking at it going, that's, that right there is what I'm aiming for. And I think I've said it on shows in the past, you know, maybe one day, Maybe one day I'm going to be able to get to that place. And yesterday that happened, and I don't take it for granted at all. I really, really don't. Um, and it's a massive, massive thank you to everybody that's watched the channel, continued support with, with the channel with me. We've gone through some ups and downs. We really have. But, um, yeah, being able to get into that position is mad, and I don't take it for granted. And I'm very, very thankful for all the support that you guys specifically have given to me uh, and then through my work, not just here, but of course with Football London. And I'm very, very thankful to Football London um, for that opportunity. And in particular, I'm very, very thankful to Kaya Kainak, who has been absolutely brilliant with me in guiding me and giving me advice um, in working with him. And yesterday, Kaya wasn't able to be at the game. As he tweeted, he had a family emergency to deal with, so he wasn't at the game. So do tweet your well wishes to Kaya. Um, certainly he would appreciate them. He wasn't able to be there. So I was there on my own with Bailey backing me up uh, from home on the blog. And we did really, I think we did a good job. I think things were great. I think the, the the match reactions went well. I think the press conference blog did well. I think that my I've done a piece this morning has gone out on my talking points, which is what Kaya usually does. So if you want to go and give that a read on the website, please go and do that. Um, so yeah, um, Amazing. And thank you. I can see all your kind comments coming through in the chat box. It means so much. Thank you so much, guys, for that. I really appreciate it. But anyway, the question that I asked Arteta was the fact that this month, uh, October, has been the busiest month in terms of games that Arsenal have played on average with the amount of spaces between each match since the 1980s. We've not played as many games in, this, in the space of time that we have for, near, for more than 40 years, potentially. And... I asked him what that has told him about his team. I asked him what he's told him about his team now and in the future as well. There was kind of a little bit of a cheeky, you know, with the whole in the future bit, potentially maybe to get something about what he needs in January. He didn't bite to that. Did my best. He didn't quite bite to that one. But specifically on, he said, uh, how he said how lucky I am to have them together with me. And again, especially when we lose or draw, how united we are and how we respond to that. And today, I think it was a really good example. We know the schedule we face now. We're going to be facing in January. It's really, really demanding. So we need to face it and we want to do it in the best possible way. And I think what was great about the answer in particular was obviously it, it builds upon that fact that I talked about at the start of today's episode, where I said about how this season is different to last season because this season we are seeing us respond to bad performances and bad 
dropping of points. We haven't performed particularly great against Buddha Glimpt away, even against PSV at home, though we dominated, we weren't clinical enough. Leeds away, I think we struggled, but defensively were great. The Southampton game, I tell you what, yesterday's game, the first half felt like a carbon copy of the first half against Southampton. Early goal, couldn't take chances, nervousness building up amongst the fans. The Emirates was weirdly quiet in the first half, considering where we have been of late. You know, I think all of those things combined made me worried at half time, and with the Gabriel mistake where he passed it to Lingard in the first half as well. All of those factors would make me a bit nervous about what the second half was going to bring. Were Forrest going to be able to get back into it? And obviously, we responded brilliantly as well. Um, so, yeah, all of those things combined led to what I thought was a fantastic day, a fantastic overall performance, and one that I couldn't really fault beyond the Gabriel mistake. That was the only really thing I'd, I took issue with the entire game. Uh, another bit of good news, Mohamed Elneny trained after the game. Uh, he was out with some of the substitutes that didn't play doing the warm down, doing some ball work. Is he going to be involved on Thursday against Zurich? Who knows? We'll hear from Mikel Arteta, as I said, on Wednesday. Uh, we'll also be doing there'll be an open training session. Not sure if I'm going to be at the open training session or not. We'll need to find that out. But potentially, uh, that might be something that we do. So let's wait and see what happens. But uh, yeah, very interesting indeed that Elneny could return um, and really kind of make our midfield a lot more safe and secure. Just like NordVN, NordVPN rather can do. That was nearly so smooth. I nearly got it. <laughs> I nearly got it. But NordVPN can certainly, like Mohamed El Nenny, make your surfing online safe and secure, just like the Egyptian does to the Arsenal midfield when we go off to Old Trafford or Stamford Bridge, as he has done so excellently. Uh, NordVPN is a great service, of course, that if you are abroad and you aren't able to use your typical broadcasting app to watch the Arsenal games, all it enables you to do is, is to hop back over um, to the geolocation that you would choose, be that the UK or wherever you happen to be, that you know you can get your typical broadcasting service uh, and you get four months free usage of the network plus a massive discount that you can continue to use after that four months free has finished. If you're not happy with that deal, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee. All you need to do is to go to uh, nordvpn.com slash guna. A massive thank you to NordVPN that sponsored the channel over the last couple of weeks. It has enabled us to improve the infrastructure of the podcast. We've got a brand new microphone. Massive thanks to NordVPN that with that investment enabled us to do that. I hope that's improved uh, the sound quality of the podcast because as I've always maintained that the backing that we get, the support that we get from the members, from sponsors, goes back into making this podcast and this channel as good as it feasibly can be. So a massive thank you to NordVPN. Go check them out. Link in the description, nordvpn.com slash guna. Maybe we'll see them back in the future. Um, but without further ado, we're going to move to part two. Add your questions and your thoughts and your feelings about yesterday's game right after this. Okay, uh, what is amazing, first of all, is there's over 1,100 of you watching this morning's show, which, you know, that's the type of numbers um, that we were doing throughout the transfer window. And I know you guys tune into the morning transfer shows because everyone wants to know about transfer news. But the fact that you guys are tuning in this morning after a win, you know, it goes to show kind of the importance of how happy we are, how together we are, how united we are and how excited we are, you know, to see what this Arsenal team are doing. So let's jump into the chat box. Welcome, everybody. Uh, if uh, To be fair, if 10% of you who are watching this right now aren't subscribed and press that subscribe button, we hit 40,000 subs. So if you aren't subscribed and you're watching, hit that subscribe button. Help us get to that big 40K. I would massively, massively appreciate it. Uh, Ronald says, this idea came from Statman Dave, who could, uh, could Sergei Milinkovic-Savic be signed to play Xhaka's new position, the false nine, or even as a target man. He's currently the highest creative player, even more than Kevin De Bruyne. Sergei Milinkovic-Savic is a player that, as you know, that have watched the channel, I like a hell of a lot. I would love to see Sergei Milinkovic-Savic join Arsenal. He could absolutely be a competitor to, to Granit Xhaka. From a dynamic age standpoint, he's not got too much of a difference between himself and Xhaka. So you would think we would need to invest again in that role in a few more years. But it would certainly be a signing that makes a statement and I think could certainly play the role that Xhaka does, help rotate with Xhaka and even play with Xhaka if we ever needed to drop, say, Odegaard. I think he could play in that number 10 or number right-sided eight position as well. Plenty 
to be encouraged by. Uh, Tom, uh, who I was very fortunate to meet in one of my first experiences in the press box. Thank you for joining us, Tom. This is about Tierney. Uh, wouldn't you say Arteta decided that he'd only start a game a week during this grueling month as a way to manage fitness and avoid injuries to save him for January after a risky World Cup? It's, a, it's certainly a point of view, Tom, that is being talked about a lot. Is Tierney being managed? Are we not really using him too much because we're trying to protect him from overplaying, from playing too many matches in which it could then result in a serious injury like he had at the end of last season, and then we've lost both Zinchenko and Tierney. Potentially. He's not playing at the World Cup. He's going to get a full rest of the World Cup. Tommy Asu is going to play at the World Cup. you know, So he's going to come back after playing the World Cup where Tierney would have had six weeks off, playing some friendlies, playing some you know, uh, warm weather training. The, the team are planning on going out to the Middle East, as far as I understand. And so, yeah, positive news. I think that it could be a certainly a, a solid theory, Tom, to answer why he's not been playing. For me, though, I think the primary reason why Tini's not playing is just because Arteta feels that Tommy Asu suits that left-sided left-sided left-back role and the inverted role of that of the nature of the what the uh, the player has to do a lot better than what Tini does. I think that's the main reason why Tommy Asu is starting. Uh, Christopher says, Tom, did you hear that Fulham may come back in for Cedric in January? Would you sell him? If we got a decent offer, I don't see why we wouldn't. The problem is if we do sell Cedric, we are losing a potential depth option. Now, I know that none of us are saying that, uh, you know, none of us are saying that Cedric is going to be a great option for us. And to be honest, him being in the team for so much of last season, I think contributed in combination with Nuno Tavares also playing together that left us very exposed from a defensive standpoint as to why we didn't get Champions League. However, if we do let him go... It does, you do lose a right back, you do lose a potential cover at left back, and we know we've had issues with injuries at left back. All of Zinchenko, Tierney, and Tommy Asu suffer with injury problems. So, would I let Cedric go in January? If we did, we'd have to bring, I think, someone in potentially to cover or bring someone back from loan. That said, Rule Waters is in the youth side, is, is come back from injury, is now playing. Could he cover as much as what Cedric could? Maybe. Maybe something to think about, something to consider, that's for sure. Uh, let's scroll down. Uh, would you go strong on Thursday? No, I wouldn't, Patrick. I think I'd go semi-strong. I'd probably use the same team that didn't play particularly well against PSV because I think it gives them an opportunity to respond. I think the front three should be Nelson, Nketiah, and potentially Martinelli. If Marquinhos is there, fair play, bring Marquinhos back. Um, but I think Nelson and Ketia uh, and Marquinhos could potentially be the front three playing at home. Vieira behind. Uh, Lokonga and El Nini. If El Nini's back, it means that Lokonga can play where Xhaka would play. And I think that's certainly something that we can use as an example and maybe a potentially a bit of a lightning rod to see Lokonga play where he is meant to play. That's the best thing about El Nini coming back. Hopefully he can play, but it is important that we don't rush him because muscular, especially hamstring injuries, are something that you definitely don't want to rush back from. So if he's fit, if he's ready to go, great. Use him against Zurich. Bring him off maybe after half time. Bring Xhaka on. Move Lukonga back. That's the way that you can manage it. But I think potentially you, all the other way around. You know, start Xhaka, start Lukonga there. Half time, bring Xhaka off, bring Elneny on. Give Elneny a half of football and push Lukonga further forwards. That maybe is how we deal with it. Uh, and then the defence, I think, you know, you're going to bring Holding in. Cedric could start. Uh, one of the centre-backs could still play. Gabriel potentially might need a game just to kind of shake off that mistake from yesterday. And Tierney, I think, will start a left-back. I think we're most certainly going to see Tierney there. Turner's still got a bit of a tight groin, apparently, and that's why he missed out on yesterday's game. Maybe he'll be back for Thursday. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Temi says, do you think that Nelson can have a renaissance at Arsenal based on his performance against Forest yesterday? Based on his performance against Forrest yesterday, the answer is no. Because what is important that we don't do is we don't judge a player on one game. We've fallen into the trap of doing this. We've missed out on transfer fees because of this. Just look at Maitland-Niles as an example. We can't hang everything on one performance. I want to see Nelson start on Thursday because I want to see if he can build upon his performance from yesterday against them on Thursday. And of course, we need to rest Saka and hopefully Saka will be fine for Chelsea. But we need to make sure that Nelson is given the opportunity still to prove himself because he's clearly earned that based upon what he did yesterday. Can he have a renaissance? Of course, there's a percentage chance that he could. 
I personally wouldn't bet on it still. Um, and, you know, I don't think that's naive to say that after just one great performance. But I think that the option should always be there. But I think that we have to still be very cautious about then saying that in January, we therefore don't need to sign a wide player because we've got Nelson. I still very much want us to go and sign a quality forward in the January transfer window. Uh, Jackson, Jackson Fish says, how is nobody talking about the clear penalty for Jesus in the 19th minute? Two hands, uh, locked elbows, pushing face first in the six yards box. Please check it. I can't say I actually remember that happening. Um, of course, I was at the ground and I did have the benefit of replays, but I was also writing pretty heavily throughout the game. I will have to watch that one back, Jackson. Um, but it didn't, I guess because we won the game, it hasn't been focused on as much. It hasn't been brought up, hasn't been videoed or spread across social media. So, yeah, I have, I'd have to check that back, Jackson. But thank you for bringing that to my attention. Uh, Paul James says, if Tierney is being managed, why haven't we been told? Won't Zinchenko be back after the World Cup? So where does that leave Tierney and Tomiyasu? Paul, we don't get told because Arteta wants to keep any team decisions and team news very close to his chest. Trust me on that. He doesn't want to tell people. He doesn't want to enlighten anyone. He doesn't want to make things too public with the situation at Arsenal. And because of that, we aren't going to find out. Is it frustrating? It's more frustrating from my perspective, giving me very little to kind of go off in terms of my writing and producing. But I do get why he does it. I just wish he would be a little bit more open and give a little bit more clarity to supporters as well on Zinchenko especially. Uh, Calvin, uh, good to see you back in the chat box, my friends. Uh, hi, Tom. I think it's really reassuring to see Arsenal put in a good second-half performance. The last few games, we've seen a lack of dynamism in the second half. It's a great point. You know, I think that the second half against Southampton dropped significantly. I think the South the Leeds away performance dropped. I think the PSVA game overall was pretty still not great. Um, so, yeah, second-half performances have been lacking, and we saw definitely a change. Amechi says, what do you know about Facundo Torres? Uh, I was waiting to see a question pop up about him. Yes, uh, links are certainly come out quite significantly yesterday evening uh, regarding potentially Arsenal signing Facundo Torres from Orlando City in January. He's a forward player, he's a wide player who actually showed Arsenal fans firsthand what he's capable of when he played against Arsenal in the preseason friendly. Looked good. I don't know much about him. Uh, and if these links are indeed more real, and I'm going to try and get some more information on them in the next 24, 48 hours or so, then you can be sure that we will produce a tactical breakdown video dedicated to him. So don't worry. We'll certainly be doing the research on who he is and getting you some content on him. And I look forward to hopefully getting some more information on him very soon indeed. Uh, let's go to uh, Gunnar David. He says, is trust in the USA squad? At the moment, I don't think so. He hasn't been in the squads. However, with his performances for Birmingham, he absolutely should be starting to be considered for the, the USA squad because he's been great. For those of you that have maybe missed some of our shows, last week we did our loan roundup. We cover all 23 Arsenal loanees. Trusty figures in a special section dedicated to him. Go and have a look at that video if you haven't done so already. Uh, King says, Tom, what is your objective for the season and have they changed? Now, this is a good question because it kind of defines whether or not objectives should change throughout a season. For me, I don't necessarily change them. I certainly change how I emotionally react come the end of the season to missing out on something that I didn't necessarily think we could get at the start of the season. But the objectives for me don't change. Last season, the objective was to return to the Europa League as a minimum However, I was very disappointed that we didn't capitalise on how good we were to make Champions League. This season, my objective was, at a minimum, qualify for the Champions League, either through league position or by winning the Europa League. That has not changed. That is still my minimum expectation for this season. However, I would be lying if I said that I wasn't hopeful that we could achieve more than that. And when I say more than that, I'm talking more about the league position than any title challenge or title victory you know I'm certainly not thinking about that yet I'm just thinking about how great we've been at the start of the season and still what can come from that we've got the Europa League second part next year we've got the cup competitions to still come and make the schedule even thicker which is only going to make create more obstacles and challenges for us we've got the January transfer window to navigate and we need to make sure that we navigate that expertly and efficiently so a lot of things still need to happen before I can start ever thinking about Arsenal challenging for a title. For me, 
finish as high up the table as you can. If Arsenal can finish second this year, what a massive statement that is of how far this team have come. How big would that be? And it's certainly within Arsenal's possibilities this season. I think Arsenal have managed to open up something like an eight or ten point gap between themselves and fifth. I think it might be eight. That's massive. Like we're 14 or 15 points clear of Liverpool. That's massive. You know, we've managed to take advantage. I said on the Friday show that we did that I thought this was going to be a weekend in which I didn't really see anyone dropping points. You know, Spurs playing Bournemouth, Liverpool playing Leeds, Man United playing West Ham at home, Chelsea playing Brighton. I really didn't see it as a weekend that I thought our rivals would drop points. But Chelsea lost, Liverpool lost, Spurs should have dropped points. They weren't so bloody lucky and they are so bloody lucky. If you're a Spurs fan right now, you can't be happy with what's going on, really. Because I'd be looking at that with the massive warning signs that you are overachieving. The expected points of that team must be so much lower than, than the points that they have managed to amass so far this year. It's frankly a joke that they've lost just, what, one, two games now? <sighs> yeah, it's a frustration. Three games, three games. Newcastle, Arsenal, Man United, wasn't it, that they've lost? So, yeah, I can't get over how lucky they've been this season. I really can't. I suppose that's Conte and Kane dragging them through things. But, yeah, it's a frustration. Uh, Isa says, who do you think is a realistic signing in midfield? The Danilo links haven't gone away. Arsenal still remain very interested in Danilo, and they will certainly consider returning for him. And Palmeiras will be certainly more open to selling him in January than they were in the summer. Douglas Luiz is off the table after he signed a new contract to Aston Villa. Danilo is very, very possible, that's for sure. Uh, MRM, thank you so much for the kind donation. Uh, does Mikel Arteta have a presence when he walks into the room? He has a presence in the sense that we all put our phones with our voice recordings on the table. <laughs> that's the immediate reaction. So everyone wants, you know, you've got to record it because then I have to type up all of the words afterwards. Um, but yeah, I I'll be very honest. The first time asking a question, heart was beating a million miles an hour really was beating out of my chest. I was very, it was, it was a bit nervous, nerve wracking because it's the first time I've ever had to do it. But I still think I managed to keep calm and ask a question succinctly. That's a word I think it is. Um, and yeah, there is a presence without a shadow of a doubt. Certainly he holds something. Everyone, you know, the, the atmosphere changes as you would expect. Uh, Aya says, someone please explain to me, there are some folks who still think Liverpool will finish above us uh, or Manchester United potentially as well. Make it make sense. You can't rule. You can't rule teams out. I don't think that they will. I think that Arsenal have got a great chance and should be finishing above both of those teams this season. But the thing is that people can't rule them out, and they can't be ruled out because they've still got plenty of quality and they've got good coaches. So you can't rule them out. However, I wouldn't be stringently saying they're going to finish above Arsenal. I think that would be very brave to do. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's go to King says on the way to 40k. I mean, I don't know how, how far we've got. There's still 1200 of you watching. If you aren't subscribed already, let's see if we can get it as high up as we can. We are closing, we're less than 80 subs now away from 40,000. Thank you so much, everybody that's tuned in and continue to support the channel. Um, Danilo in January, yes, Schrodinger is, is a possible option for us. Let's scroll up because I know I skipped loads of questions to get down to some of the super chats. Uh, let's go to Nav who says, so you haven't changed your opinion yet. I'm guessing fairs. It won't take one game, but let's see how Nelson does in the next he plays. He did really surprise me. No, of course not. I don't. I think it would be naive for one game to change an opinion about a player. Uh, I think that would be not very naive if you allowed one game to change a whole view of one player. I think that Nelson did fantastic and took his opportunity as best as anyone ever could hope him to do. But he now needs to do that in a consistent number of games. Now, the problem that he's got, similar to the problem that Eddie Nketiah has got, is that there is a very clear starter in front of him. At the end of last season, Eddie Nketiah proved a lot of people wrong by putting in the performances, scoring in big games, and very, very nearly taking Arsenal as the number nine, more than Lacazette ever was going to, toward a Champions League qualification spot. The problem that he faced was that we brought in Gabriel Jesus in the summer, and that obviously meant that he had an immediate obstacle in his pathway, and he then didn't get the regular starts in the Premier League. However, we have had Europa League games every single Thursday, pretty much bar one week, because of course I managed to the Queen uh, passing away, and we had the suspension of the PSV game. But nearly every single week, Nketiah has started a game because he started every single one of those Europa League games. And after getting a goal and an assist in the first game and a goal in the second game, 
His performances have dropped. His and that again then starts to build up doubt on whether or not we made the right decision in renewing his contract. Nelson has an opportunity to now play against Zurich. I don't think he'll play against Chelsea, but we'll have to wait and see. But he hopefully will have an opportunity once again to play against Brighton in the Carabao Cup, which is only a week or two away. So he is going to get games. He is going to get chances. He has to then take those chances. That's what's clear. One game cannot change your view on a player. It shouldn't change your view on a player. It should be a a sample size of a number of fixtures consistently proving against the point that you originally raised. And that's not happened yet for Nelson, but it was amazing to see what he did yesterday. As I've said at the start of the show, if I'm proven wrong about something for the benefit of Arsenal, I am very happy. Very, very happy indeed, because the club is the priority always, always. Um, Martin says, Tom, a few people have commented on the improvement in our second half. Do you think scoring two goals in the first seven minutes after halftime provided a psychological and physical lift? Without a doubt, Martin, you know, when you've got that extra pressure knowing you've got a score and if suddenly you're 30 minutes into the second half and you're still only leading by one goal, that's a psychological nightmare, really, because you know you've got to then combat that and try and hold out or get a late goal like we did against Crystal Palace, for instance. That was kind of a similar incident, if you were like, as an example. Getting the early goals in the second half, the 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 atmosphere in the Emirates just, there was such a weight lifted off of the nerves. And then we could start to enjoy it. The fans enjoyed the second half. You know, we were able to really enjoy things in the stadium. In the first half, it was quiet. Besides the brilliant Ashburton army doing as best they could to kind of raise the volume, it was quiet in the first half. It was nervous in the first half. Even after we got an early goal, it was nervous. Because the fans don't really know what to expect after these last few performances. They don't really know if this is the Arsenal that started the season and built up this massive furore and kind of positive energy around itself. There was real nervousness there. And that was absolutely lifted. It was like, you know, when Thierry Henry talks about when he scores the goal in the Invincible season at home against Liverpool. And when Liverpool first scored, it felt like the air had been taken out of the stadium. And then when he scored that brilliant, mazy little run, taking it past Carragher and then finishing it brilliantly, that it felt like the air had been brought back into the stadium. That's how it felt in the Emirates after Nelson scored. It really felt like we'd been rehabilitated in a way and just brought back to life. And the Emirates was brilliant in the second half. It, it found its voice again. And that was that was great. Uh, Akmal says, uh, I know we don't want to discuss this, but do you worry about Jesus not scoring, especially in games like this? And he had many chances. I, I'm not necessarily worried still because he's getting chances, he's getting opportunities. Very unlucky, I think, in some moments, but he could be better. But also the thing and the difference between him and Lacazette is that and I know that Lacazette produced plenty of assists last season, but Jesus in every single game is still integral to the way that we play. He's integral to the way that we build. He's integral to the way that we create. And he got two assists yesterday because he's really important. So even when he's not scoring, everything that he offers outside of the goals is still really good for us. So all of those things together are great. And that was great. Uh, Lynn says, that tackle from Morgan Gibbs-White looked quite dangerous on Xhaka. Do you think that a red card was warranted potentially more than a yellow? At the time, when I watched it back on the monitor, I thought that maybe there would be, there would be a VAR check on that one. I don't know if there was a VAR check on it. It did seem reckless, even though it wasn't necessarily two-footed because it was led with the one. Yeah, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure whether or not, for me, it was a red. I'd, would I want Arsenal to be given a red card for that? Obviously, I'd never want Arsenal to be given a red card. But would I think it would fa be fair if Xhaka was sent off for doing that. I'm not sure. It's 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 in that orange area for me. I think for some people, it'll be a red. I think some people will absolutely think that's a red. And I think that some people will think that it's not quite a red. It falls in that middle ground. I think I'm leaning slightly more towards the yellow. And I think that if it was, if it was two foot, genuinely two-footed, or if it was later than it was, then it would be a red card but I'm not sure it was enough for me. It was an orange card, if you like. Uh, not quite, not quite there. Was it three assists, Sigbo, for Jesus? There you go. Unbelievable. Uh, Nwoki says, lay off Gabriel again. And I, I don't know where this comes from. I don't know where this is coming from, especially here, because I'm very, very, very supportive and defensive around Gabriel. 
but we need you need to be you need to be able to be critical of something you know in my opinion that there are times where gabriel makes too many mistakes he does and i think it's absolutely fair to highlight that when it's so glaringly obvious like it was yesterday so don't tell people to not bring up the incident or not talk about it because i'm using i'm and i'm doing it i feel in a balanced way i think defensively his overall performance was great but that one mistake it needs to be eradicated from his game so don't tell people they can't be critical. It's not, I think there's a there's there's three levels. There's praise, there's criticism, and there's hate. Now, for me, I think that Martin Odegaard, for instance, gets hate, unnecessary hate. I think Gabriel sometimes gets unnecessary hate. But I think there are criticisms of both Odegaard and Gabriel that are fair. I don't think it's fair to say that Odegaard goes missing in loads of games. I think it would be fair to say that Martin Odegaard goes missing in some games. And I think in others, he can be marked out of a game. And that's a difference. But I also think that the, the criticism or in some senses, people saying that we should have signed someone else instead of Odegaard, that's hate. And I can't get on board with that. Gabriel, people saying that we should sell him. He's not good enough. We need to buy better. I think that's naive and borders on the hate value. I think that's overcritical, but it's certainly not overcritical to be highlighting the mistakes that are very clearly, obviously, within Gabriel's game that he needs to eradicate from his game. And if he can eradicate, if he can eradicate those mistakes from his game, Gabriel, I think, can be one of the top defenders in the league. I really believe that. It's just about getting rid of those errors. So there you go. Um, I'm realising now I'm going over 50 minutes, uh, which I wanted to avoid because uh, I've got things to do before I even start work this morning. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for the nearly 1,200 of you that are watching. Do subscribe. Do like the video. Do join me tomorrow morning once again um, for there. Oh, look, what a perfect way to end the show. We've got a Spurs fan in the chat. Can you imagine after the weekend that you've had, the weekend that you've had that still, after very, very fortunately coming away with a win against Bournemouth, that you join an Arsenal podcast after they've just won 5-0 to go back top of the table and you've invested some of your time and your one life that you get in an Arsenal channel. How great is that? <laughs> How funny are they? They're great. I love them. See you later, fella. Have a good one, people. Have an enjoyable day. Do enjoy it because uh, it's certainly worth it. Go into work, gloat, boast, all those things. Enjoy your week. I'll see you tomorrow morning. I won't be on the lounge tonight, but do go watch the boys. It's my 10-year anniversary with the missus, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to be celebrating that this evening. Have a fantastic evening, a fantastic day, a fantastic week as we look towards the next game, which is, of course, FC Zurich. Enjoy it, and as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.